Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. It's like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Go right! And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and it is a post-spring game edition of the Blitz this week. We will begin breaking down the spring game, and got a long way to go until the start of the season, a long off-season ahead of us, so we've got plenty of time to break this game down and break down spring practice, but we will do a chunk of it here on this week's episode. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, we just thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Longhorn Blitz. And you can get Longhorn Blitz anywhere you get your podcasts just by searching Horns 24-7. Click the subscribe button, get every episode of the flagship state of recruiting and Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. It would be very much appreciated. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz and the Daily Fantasy Guru. He is Matt Butler. Matt, how was your uh, spring game watching experience? It was pretty good, man. I, I watched it from the confines of the house, but on Saturday it was like daytime. At first was a recreational watch, and then I got my rewatch yesterday. Ah, yes. So I've already had two full watches, which has been awesome. A man who two full watches, that's just the start of his prep for uh, breaking down anything, even if it is a spring game. Uh, our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod B., how was your spring game watching experience? Uh, it was great. It was awesome. It was good to watch some football, get to get a sneak peek. It was a, you know, it was watered down and pretty uneventful, honestly, for a spring game. But still, I, uh, I was riveted. And I loved every second of it. Rod, before we get to uh, the spring game, I, I do want to talk a little bit of NFL draft. We won't spend too much time on it, but the NFL draft is coming up this weekend. We'll do some draft recap on next week's episode. But I want to start with this. We'll talk about the Lifetime Longhorns here in just a second. But, Rod, you're uh, one of your best friends in life, Kyle Shanahan, a Lifetime Longhorn. Uh, the 49ers owning that number three pick, They kind of that's where the draft really starts to get interesting. We figure it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, one, to Jacksonville, uh, Zach Wilson, number two, to the Jets. And then things are a bit up in the air with San Francisco. Did they really move up to take Mac Jones? Is it just a giant smokescreen? And are they going to take Justin Fields? Rod B, got any insight on what your boy Shano might be thinking with that number three pick? I do not have any insight on it at all. <laughs> I mean, it could be the greatest smokescreen of all time or legitimately, you know, they could like multiple quarterbacks at that number three spot. I think it's more the latter. Uh, 
than the former. I think they just like multiple quarterbacks and they want to upgrade over Jimmy G in addition to having that, you know, that that advantage of a franchise quarterback on a rookie salary on a rookie wage scale, uh, basically where you can build the rest of your roster with, I don't know, 95 percent of the, the new salary cap. So I think it's a lot of different things. I have no idea where they're going. I think they do like Mac Jones. The world in the street right now is between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Uh, that really? Justin Fields has mm-hmm. dropped okay. out of the you know the 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 top choices for that spot. So I, exactly, I don't know what to believe. It's a it's a great job by them keeping all the possibilities open right now. I don't think anybody really knows what they're going to do. The majority yeah. of the people believe they're taking Mac Jones though, which I probably you know I, I'm not really. I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Mac Jones are very similar. Um, but to me, I guess they think Mac Jones has a higher ceiling because Mac Jones, of course, you know, he, he's a guy that processes well. And Mm. if I think any of these guys can have success in Shadow's system, but I would like a quarterback that has a higher ceiling. And I think, a Trey Lance or man, maybe even a Justin Fields has a higher ceiling than those guys at number three. Yeah, because whenever, first off, like trading to the three spot, when that happened, you know, a month or two ago, that it sort of just showed how much they valued the situation that they're in, but then understood the room and understood that, well, you know, if we don't even know who we want at that point, you want to get to that point. Because the number three, if you ever want to get to two, first off, that was my instinct. It's probably not going to happen. But the easiest way to get there is through three. If not, then you have the most enviable pick in the draft if one and two already decided. You can trade down if you need to. Say you do like a guy like Lance and don't think he'll go at three. Or the fact that they're at three, you can pick from the litter of what's left. So at least it's sort of like the first overall pick in this situation. So then you have the most power to be able to turn into something. And then, like you mentioned, the Mac Jones aspect, it seems like, you know, from the reports, it sounds like it's more the mental side of the game. He could be a guy to plug and fit, and like at times maybe Jimmy G wasn't seeing or implementing exactly what the staff was seeing on the sideline, and that's a type of frustration that if you have the type of yak and all the yardage that the 49ers get around the scheme of the offense, you don't want a mental mistake on the front end making the big issue get even worse. Rod, I just think if Shano's keeping even you in the dark, then they've uh, they've done a hell of a job keeping this thing as close to the vest as possible. No, I don't reach out to Shano during the draft process like that, man. So I don't, I don't know. Friends I haven't talked friends. to him in, in a while. Yeah, I don't, I don't abuse that that privilege. You know what I'm saying? I got, no, I got you. Just or just have a, I say that in jest, but uh, no, it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens, and it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with the lifetime Longhorns. Rod, I'll make this generalization, and then I'll let you go from here to wrap up our draft talk. Uh, Sam Cosby and Joseph Osai, I think, are both gone within the first sixty picks of this draft, both in the second round. So there's your range, thirty three to sixty, somewhere for both of those guys. And then everybody else, we're just we're closing up shop and then waiting until day three of the draft. Do you think I'm, I'm more right, wrong, or where are you at on, on my generalization for the Longhorns in this draft? Yeah, I you know someone could decide to take a chance on Osai in the late in the first, but I, I doubt it from what I've seen in the mock drafts. I think he's going to be a solid second-round guy. I think Sam Cosme is the interesting one. There are a lot of yeah. draft scouts that think that he has a really high ceiling because 
Um, you know, he has basically, been, <laughs> he has, he has been achieving at a really high level, um, at, in college <laughs> and at, you know, at, at Texas, of course. And yet, uh, people think that he has bad technique, that he yeah. suffers from, you know, being underdeveloped, uh, and that he could go to the NFL and could at a guard position potentially be a pro bowler. Uh, I've heard some scouts say that, that if you put him at guard at the NFL level, that he could have a Pro Bowl-type ceiling. Yeah. But I also think he could play tackle in the NFL. I, I, I don't know where he's going to be projected because I don't know where teams have him on their board as a guard or a tackle. Because if he's a guard, then he's going to drop. But if he's considered still a tackle – then somebody may take a chance on them higher up in the second round. Yeah, it's interesting. You just read some of the reports, Rod, and I know you consume as much draft stuff as possible this time of year. Matt, you, you the same. I think all three of us do. And it's interesting with Cosby. You know, if you go back, rewind the clock to a couple of years ago when Connor Williams was coming out. Definitely by this time, uh, everybody had him not even penciled in. It was in stone that hey, look, he he's not going to play tackle in the National Football League. Pretty much every report you read. Had him say the teams had him on their board as a guard. Cosme's yeah. different, Rod, as you said. I mean, I know there's there's a there's a couple franchises out there. One in particular that feels look he's he's he might be more right tackle than left tackle, but he's got definite tackle potential. And it's funny, you know, we sat here on this show a couple weeks ago and talked about how that was some of the rumblings that that we were hearing at least on our end at Horns twenty four seven that. You know, NFL teams were shocked that he didn't give up more sacks. Like the technique and just what the Texas pass protection scheme was asking them to do was so wonky that it's like, look, he he was as good as he was just based on his natural talent level. The flip side of that is, Rod, I think that's why he slipped into the second round is you're not drafting him. If you're drafting him to be a plug-and-play guy, it probably isn't guard because if you like him at tackle, you're pretty much going to have to reteach him how to play that position. Yeah, uh, basically making him more of a developmental prospect than that plug-and-play guy you're talking about, and that's why he would drop too. But still, though, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I think you look at his natural ability. If that is the case, that he was underdeveloped and that his technique is atrocious at the tackle position, um, to me, man, that's still worthy of maybe a second-round pick Mm because – that I mean that's that's an amazing amount of athletic potential for a guy to have bad technique like that and still be considered an all American type player. Like <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I like the raw materials, but I mean I don't know where they have him. Like I say, if he's a guard or a right tackle, nobody has him as a left tackle anymore, right? Is that basically what it comes down to? Yeah, dropped out of the first round. I mean I, I've seen a couple mocks that depending on team needs. I mean. Rod, you you watch more NFL than I do, and Matt, you consume more NFL than I do. I mean, <laughs> left tackles, it, it's Willy Wonka's golden ticket. Guys that can legitimately play that decision, and I mean, if there's even an inkling that a guy can play left tackle and a team is tackle starved, uh, they might roll the dice and, and take a stab at it. Especially with a guy like Cosme, right? As you said, it's pretty much a developmental guy at this point. I know the arm length thing is there, but he, his wingspan is is pretty comparable to to Tristan Wirfs, and and I'm not saying that Sam Cosme is going to be Tristan. Wirfs. But you know, there's some things that you feel like the combination of the wingspan uh, plus the athleticism uh, that you maybe some teams think you can get there. But I think I think you're right, right? I think it's more so right tackle or guard is probably where his projection is. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see. I, Joseph Osai to me is going to be interesting as well. I, mm-hmm. I know some teams they love Joseph Osai. 
Um, you know, that's been thrown out there that some teams say they really think that he could be a, 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 a perennial pass rusher. Like he's got that kind of ability because he's so raw and yeah. he just he's basically just starting to um, be, you know, be a an impact player because he's just starting to be you. Oh, he was just starting to be utilized in the right way just last year. He was playing out of position, but still able to impact the game. I, I like Joe Spoelstra. I think he's going to end up landing with a good team. I think he's going to end up landing with a, you know, I, I think a team may take a chance on him, like a Tampa Bay or someone like that, who can't afford to just uh, take a young, developmental prospect who's really raw. They don't necessarily mm-hmm. need that him to be a plug and play guy right now. I mean, they brought back all twenty-two of their starters from their Super Bowl team. Yeah, uh, Tampa's a place where I've seen him mocked. The Ravens uh, seem to always stockpile pass rushers. That's a team. Oh, that's I've, a good one. That's yeah. a team I've seen him mocked to a little bit. I know. Uh, I, I know Mike Mayock and John Gruden. The Raiders are, are one of those teams that anytime you hear them mention in in the draft process, they're a team that's you know, starving for pass rushers. So uh, I'm with you, Rod. I think he goes in the second round, and it's going to be a team that that gets him and right away like we'll, we'll develop you into whatever you're going to be but we just need you to you know on third down and in certain situations just go do what you do and use that motor and length and pass rush ability and go get after the quarterback that's yep. that's going to be his role right away uh, overall guys we think in what five longhorns get drafted the two in the second round and then probably three on day three probably Caden Stearns Caden Stearns Taquan Graham Sam Ellinger it's Taquan Graham in that conversation. Taquan, yeah, Taquan Graham, and then uh, and then Sam Ellinger, probably the three rod on day three. Yeah, yeah. Sam Sam Ellinger is going to be interesting. I I don't know where Sam's going to go. I he could drop all the way to you know six seven somewhere in there, mm-hmm. or he could be undrafted. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, undrafted could benefit him too if it is at that situation when you're down at the seven two. Just if you can be able to research the fit. Yeah, I know he's done great in the interviews. I mean, Matt Miller threw that out there that Sam Mellinger has been one of the the best interviews of all of the quarterbacks, and we that's no surprise to Longhorn right. fans. I I just you know I wonder if a team's going to take a chance on Sam as a a developmental backup prospect um, early on, or if they're just going to try to wait till they can get him potentially late or undrafted. Kellen Mond is a name that's been like rising. I've heard lots of positive stuff about him rising up draft boards. Unfortunately, I haven't heard anything about Sam rising up draft boards. Yeah, I, I think he's Rod kind of squarely where we figured he was going to be the day three mix, anywhere from probably if somebody really likes him, uh, take him in the late fifth round, or, you know, I, I think maybe round round six, round seven. But I I'll be I'll be surprised. I'm never shocked by anything that happens in the draft. I'll be very surprised if Sam Ellinger is in that priority free agent group. I, I think he's going to get drafted. Some somebody will take him in this draft. Yeah, with the modern value of the quarterback position being so high. Yeah, it, right. It seems like with quarterbacks, and we're kind of seeing it with Mac Jones. You just mentioned Calamond. Uh, it seems like quarterback. I mean, Kyle Trask. There's some. I've heard some murmurs about maybe Kyle Trask getting back into that late first round discussion again. Yeah, it seems like quarterbacks. You know, they're always either way, way, way overvalued or they get tossed on the scrap heap. Like there's no, there's no middle ground with quarterbacks when it comes to the draft. You're either at one end of the spectrum or the other. Yeah, no, and you're right. A lot of those guys, Stanford quarterback, right? Is Davis Mills? He's been yeah. rising on draft boards, so I've been hearing about him potentially at the back of the first round. And it's, 
I'm with, that's a great point. I mean, I, I think mostly it's overvalued. Mostly, and mm-hmm. it should be because it's that important. If you find the right one, if you hit gold, uh, it can set your franchise up for a decade. Um, so I understand the uh, the priority and the premium on quarterbacks, but it's uh, one of those things that at one point, um, I mean, you got quarterbacks that have been to Super Bowls now that are getting tossed, getting tossed around, getting traded. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo. there's no more patience for quarterbacks. And I think that also has really accelerated the market, right. And accelerated that, you know, what you're talking about right now, you know, the, the fact that there's a premium on them is the fact that there's no patience for quarterbacks. either. If they don't work out, they're done. Mm -hmm. You're done, son. Moving on. When you look at the value at that position, it's the same thing sort of with Osai, though, for pass rush. If there's anything on the defensive side, a guy that can be taken a little bit higher than expected just because the way that the draft plays out and say you've been eyeing a rush edge guy and then the three teams ahead of you go get the three guys, you may end up taking a guy around higher than you expected. And that's those two positions when you look at it. It isn't necessarily like when you're looking at Sam Cosme, he's sort of going to be niched in. He's not a left tackle. If he was a left tackle maybe you could talk about that soaring value being a right tackle it's like the type of team where you could like a team like the Packers where there's a need but also you might want to draft for the future you can deal with things like that but and it's sort of the same with Stearns like Stearns is a guy who has freakish ability but the market isn't going to make him go up higher than he should so going up to the third probably isn't going to happen but Osai or a quarterback those are the two that could. Rod real real quick I feel like Caden Stearns is you know gonna go probably I don't know late four early five in this draft and yeah I, he's got a chance to you know two years from now be a guy that, man how the heck did Caden Stearns last until the fifth round well because you morons once again devalued the safety position and you don't realize how important it is until you get into January and the other team has ball hawks at that position and versatile guys that can get after you in a number of different ways like oh maybe we should have earmarked a second or third round pick for a safety <laughs> and it's just this it's yeah. this vicious cycle that Rod I don't know why the NFL does it, why they don't ever break it yeah especially here at Texas right I mean look at Deshaun Elliott what was he a sixth round pick sixth, now yeah. start starter for the Ravens uh Quandre Diggs what was Quandre six sixth yeah sixth <laughs> round pick uh, and yeah, so a pro I'm, I'm with you. I think that you're, you're, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the safety position. I don't know why the NFL hasn't figured out yet. You're gonna need a really diverse safeties, but maybe they believe, like I believe, about wide receiver that you know wide receiver is the deepest position in football because of the proliferation proliferation of the spread offense, right? All throughout all, all throughout football at every level. So everybody's got to have a ton of really good wide receivers. But you start looking at safety and cornerback. You also need guys to cover those wide receivers that you spread out all over the field and yet they're i think cornerback right now is also a really deep position there's just a lot of guys out there that can play the cornerback position it's just really hard to play it um it's tough to put a premium on it unless you get a an elite corner and even those guys aren't shut down defenders anymore i think the premium should be placed on multiplicity at the safety position and guys that can play zone, the 5-2 DB that can play zone, that can also come down in the box and play the run, that can blitz off the edge. They're also the guy that can cover man-to-man. You find those type of safeties, a Quandre Diggs, those are the guys ultimately you should be prioritizing, but they aren't. It's strange in today's 
kind of mixed multiple 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 NFL and multiple football world that we live in. Yeah, because it hurts against the drafts, at least for safeties too, because you let uh, players age into becoming a safety. Well, if they don't work out at corner, or if you're a little small or something, you see them then become safeties at times in the NFL, which just adds the amount of bodies to the market, so it makes it a little bit tougher. But Stearns, Stearns did have eye popping numbers, so if there is a guy that does something super unexpected, it would be him barely sneaking into the end of day two from day three. Probably not, but it, there's a chance. You know, another lifetime Longhorn guy is, uh, Rod, I know you had many conversations with Dwayne Aquina about Adrian Phillips, and, and I heard mm-hmm. from Dwayne Aquina, Adrian Phillips was the first guy he had that could play really all, kind of all six positions in the secondary. Boundary corner, field corner, boundary safety, field safety, diamond, nickel. Uh, you know who else likes Adrian Phillips and his versatility? Bill Belichick likes Adrian <laughs> Phillips and his versatility. Yeah. And Adrian Phillips went undrafted and has already had one all-pro season in the NFL. So it just goes to show you, man, Some at some point the NFL is going to figure it out, but I'm not counting on it being this draft. So we'll have a draft recap next week, and we'll uh, we'll dive headfirst into where uh, these lifetime Longhorns are headed at the next level. But let's get into the spring game, guys. We've uh, avoided it long enough, and we'll start with quarterback and whichever one of you guys wants to take this and go from there, feel free. Uh, you know, I, I guess it just – and I haven't gone back and rewatched the game yet. You guys have done multiple watches already. So my gut general reaction from watching it on Saturday from the press box, sleeping on it Saturday night and waking up on Sunday was I thought Casey Thompson – was solid. I don't think either quarterback was spectacular, but you can see why Casey Thompson is ahead of Hudson Card right now. You can see the experience of benefiting him, and where you can really tell it is where I think Hudson Card really excels in the passing game right now, guys, is when it's RPO stuff, quick game stuff. You can tell that's pretty natural for him. It's almost second nature for him because he's been doing it so long. When you get to stuff like you know, your boots and your waggles and your stuff where you're moving guys around and changing the launch point, that's where Casey Thompson's a little bit better. And when it turns into real progression passing, you can see where Casey's ahead. Right, I think that might just be an experience thing, but that's just kind of the way I see it right now. I, I think it's – I don't think either one of these guys showed that they are definitely the guy right now as we sit here, but that's where I would give the edge to Casey Thompson because in the longer developing stuff where, you know – you're you're gonna need guys to hold blocks for a split second longer. It's a little more uh, natural, instincty type stuff on the move, uh, and then just progression passing. You can tell the vets ahead of the young guy. I mean, uh, Matt, you correct me if I'm wrong because, like I said, I've watched it like twice, but um, I haven't went back and like charted everything. I don't think Hudson Card got any reps with the first team offensive nope. line. No, uh-huh. he didn't. Nope. He was on the other team. They said um, that they had a chance to well, switch teams, and coach I know, never I did. Thought, I thought at one point they were going to switch quarterbacks. So yeah, yeah they said okay, that. So to, to, to your point, Jeff, I, I don't know if we got an accurate evaluation. That was the other point I was going to make. Yeah, I would have liked to really seen Hudson Card go I, at least a couple series with the ones. Yeah, yeah, like I. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what that was about. I mean, that was obviously intentional. Like he, he did that on purpose. And he said so, ones I mean, versus hey, ones. There was. Everybody in their mind, it just naturally going back to spring games way back in high school and middle school, even when you set them up the way that he did, if there's a quarterback competition, you allow both quarterbacks to play with the number ones. So I'm just trying to psychoanalyze Sark here and try to figure out, okay, 
he wanted he wanted Hudson Card to overcome the adversity of that O-line. I know for a fact they were worried about the difference between the competitive levels of the D, the second-team D-line and the second-team O-line. Mm-hmm. They knew that the second-team O-line could not handle the depth of the second-team D-line. Second-team D-line, hell's got basically starters. I mean, you got Alfred Collins and Vernon mm-hmm. Broughton on that second-team D-line, right? I mean, it's Prince Dorber, it's Prince Dorber was on that second D-line, and he had a hell Prince of a Dor- scrimmage. It was <laughs> like the first D-line. <laughs> You got that D line is love. D line got starters <laughs> for most teams in, in the Big 12 on that D line. And that O line is hell. I don't even know if there's a starter on that second team O line. We don't know that. So, and I know they were worried about that. I know they knew about that and they knew about that disparity. And I figured they would do some mixing and matching to try to make sure that they balanced it out. They did not. Yeah. So, they wanted to see Hudson Card overcome some adversity. They wanted to see him uh, uplift the talent level of guys around him. They wanted to see if he had kind of that je ne sais quoi, that it quality that uh, we don't necessarily have to have uh, the beat and have to have the best talent around him to achieve. Let's see what he can do when he doesn't have the advantage of the best wide house and the best blocking. I think they wanted to see that. And I, I think I thought Hudson Card actually performed pretty well, considering that he never had access to play with the number ones. And I, to me, that was the most questionable thing about the whole spring game. The I, one thing I kept wondering was, well, when are they going to switch up these quarterbacks and let me see Hudson Card with the ones, and I'll see Casey Thompson with the twos, and then I can have a more complete evaluation. We didn't get that. Yeah. So, yeah. so something's up with that, guys. That's. That's, that's, that's Sark working. Sark's a, Sark's a quarterback guy. He's all about equal reps. So Sark, Sark's up to something. I don't know what the hell he's up to, but he's up to something. And then whenever you watch the way the game played out, because I agree with you fully there, but when you look at the personnel that each team had and the styles of the quarterbacks, it sort of fit the situation too because Card's a guy that, you know, he moved the pocket a little bit, get outside, and he was able to do that, you know, because maybe he had under a little bit more pressure as well. But with the way that Casey fit with that one and being more of a pocket guy working inside there despite what you hear on most of the broadcasts, it was like, yeah, those two at least fit the situation that they were in. And it did. Card did look like he was much more comfortable within the framework of the offense and that you can tell that he can be accentuated by a scheme a lot. And if he fits inside the scheme, he could be have that upside. And Casey's sort of your quarterback that you can know what to expect coming out of the pocket, a guy that doesn't have a massive arm. Now he can throw a deep ball, but then we saw like he doesn't have that arm to go to the uh, the wide side of the field, say, on the pick six when it comes back across. So there's uh, both areas that you could find – nitpicks and things to look at or bad ways they don't fit but at least with that second team line you got to see card who had a disadvantage a bit against that d line but with his mobility it was something that sort of fit the gameplay a little bit better right i, I want to kind of take that ride with you on on your just not theory but just trying to hypothesize and figure out what sark was thinking with the the rotations or lack thereof that quarterback and looking at Hudson Card, maybe wanting him to kind of come from underneath and you know conquer some adversity in the spring game, could it have also been more about Casey Thompson and say, "Look, we're not going to rotate. This is this is going to be your show today with the ones, and, and let's go see what you got playing with that first group for the whole game." Yeah, it could have been that, but 
I don't know. I think that's unfair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, support it it isn't a competition as much in that situation. Right. Yeah, like, it, well, dude, you know what I mean? I thought it was a competition. If it's a competition, then let's both be seen in the same circumstance, right? Let's let's give equal access to the same uh, elite players. I would like to throw to Jordan Whittington mm-hmm. every now and then. Yeah, he's <laughs> wide open. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That'd be That'd be pretty nice. But did, I'd like to have Bijan Robinson running behind me every now and then. That'd be nice. You know what I mean? That's you know those things help a, a competition. Here's so I don't know. I just thought it was strange. I, if I was Hudson Card, yeah, I'd be like, okay, that's I don't know what that's about. But I mean, maybe he wants to see Hudson Card get a little angry about that. Yep. Maybe he wants to see Hudson Card have a chip on his shoulder because of that. And that's that you psycho know, side. Trying to create about. that chip. Maybe he wants him to come out there and be a little a little pissed off at coach. And you know what? Um, infuse that into the offense. Infuse that juice into everybody else. Let's see if you have that type of it quality as a quarterback. I'm not. I don't know what it was, but that's the strangest thing about the spring game. There's no doubt that was the weirdest thing about the spring game. Definitely yeah. worth taking else was note. Expected. The, the vanilla game plan. The you know the the reps. Oh, actually, Bijan Robinson playing the entire spring game was second. I would say that was strange yeah. too. Yeah. But, uh, those are two things that stood out, but there's no doubt about it. The quarterback rotation, everybody expected that to happen, and it didn't happen. That's a little weird. Yeah. You know, the other thing could be, Rod, maybe we just got a glimpse into how Sark views spring games where eh, we see what we saw what we needed to see in the first 14 practices. This is just for the fans, and we'll just go out and have a game, and we'll evaluate it, but it's not, I mean, the hay's in the barn, so to say, by the time you get to the spring game. Could be. Yeah, yeah. No, and I agree. To your point, Jeff, <laughs> on that situation it being just a spring game, it's funny the prism by which fans and us, we view it because we don't get to see every practice. So the reason why you hear about fans magnifying one game that's sort of a meaningless game is because it's that one portal in to see it and the coaches get all of spring. So to them, you know, it's just maybe like you're saying, it's one of the 20 days that we're going to be competing out there. So to them, it isn't viewed the same way as the, you know, the fans, you're going to view that one time you get to see them. It's our only piece of data, our only piece of info to then overanalyze and look at. So that's sort of where the difference between the ways the fans and the coaches view it. Right. That's a good point, Matt. Uh, Rod, I'll start with you. You know, we talked about quarterbacks. We talked about Bijan playing way more than we thought he would or maybe he should have played but uh, got out of the game injury-free. He thought he might have tweaked an ankle a little bit late in the game, but he did multiple post-game interviews, said he felt fine. So he's fine uh, coming yeah, out of spring he's practice. A he's a rubber band yeah, man. And, and hey, yeah, exactly. the, the best thing about Saturday was, at least that we know of now, as of right now, no injuries coming out of the spring game. So thank goodness that's always a positive and the, the number one positive to take away. But, Rod, uh, where do you want to start? And we're going to do this over a couple of shows, breaking down the spring game and spring in general. So we talked about quarterbacks. If you want to keep talking quarterback, go ahead. But where do you want to start in the time we've got left today, breaking down the spring game? Um, Yeah, I mean, we can start with quarterback and venture off to other positions. I, I, I thought, you know, I thought that both of the quarterbacks played well. There were moments. I mean, Casey Thompson with that pick six was that was that was bad. I mean, I, in in the red zone, a veteran quarterback's got to know you can't make that throw, you can't make that decision. Um, so I, I thought that was something that probably stood out in the quarterback competition. But I took into account that Hudson Card was playing with the second team offensive yeah. line, and I will say the offensive line is an issue, gentlemen. 
and I, I, I don't know. I, I don't mm-hmm. think pass blocking was something that was um, a plus and no, a positive no. thing for Texas in that game. I thought they struggled a little bit, but we know the defensive line is real. It's supposed to be a strength, and mm-hmm. especially the interior of the defensive line. So, Moro Ojimo, give him some Vernon props. Broughton. Vernon Broughton, right? Those guys played really well. So, yeah, I, I, I think it lined up with everything that we thought. The quarterback competition, nobody's really separated. Uh, the offensive line, there are some questions about it. D-line is a strength. Uh, defense could end up being a strength because I think the secondary, Deshaun Jameson, shout out DB High, um, he played well and got the pick six. And, and you've talked about it, Jeff. If he can have kind of an all Big 12 type season, that could change the entire complexion of that defense for Texas. So um, that was that was promising. I'm, I'm a little surprised by the schooler. There's a love, there's an infatuation with Brendan Schooler that I, that I don't really understand. Agreed. Um, but I, I don't I don't get to watch practice, but it I don't know. And nobody can tackle Bijan as hard, but he had two whips on Bijan that I, I don't even know if he touched him. There's a perfect tone uh, setter the first one does. Just start the spring game and you come in at Bijan and it's just he broke him off real quick and it's literally like you see a guy tackling a ghost head into the ground and hair flying yeah. everywhere. Yeah, let's yeah. let's start there. Rod, I think that just goes back to more of what we talked about that you've got these guys uh at the at the safety and nickel positions and, and over their college careers and schooler, you know, the bulk of his resume and defense, actually all of his defensive resume is with is his one season at Oregon where he played that position and played it really well, but you know, between schooler and Chris Adamora and Anthony Cook and B.J. Foster, you've got some interesting pieces in that safety nickel group. I think it might be just kind of – the more I think about it, the more I think safety and nickel and, and the two edge positions, I think you're just going to have to kind of moneyball those as you go forward, and, and maybe we just see different personnel at those positions week to week. I mean, I don't know that you've got – you know, outside of – you know, the safety nickel group outside of Jaron Thompson, I don't know that there's going to be any of those guys that are in the same position for 12 straight weeks in the regular season. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I agree. I, you could you could be on to something. We've talked about week to week in the Big 12, you know, those uh, the multiple spread offenses, right, and these hybrid spreads, they're all very, very different. Some of them are – more slanted toward being power spreads and some of them are slanted more toward being true air raids. I mean, they're all over the place uh, for Texas. You do have a lot of variety at defensive back. Yeah. You could week to week, depending on the matchup, depending on, you know, how your safeties and your nickels, uh, how they match up week to week, you could change up your personnel. Uh, you do have guys that, I mean, I think Anthony Cook's a guy that can be considered a starter. Adamora can be considered a starter. And now we got Schooler. Uh, Jaron Thompson, B.J. Foster, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's five guys right there. And hell, I think you could throw Josh Thompson in there and throw it at a nickel or a safety position, too, if you need him, because uh, you got Darian Dunn playing corner now and you got Deshaun Jameson that can play corner. So I, I don't know. It's really interesting. You're right. I don't know what Quickhouse is going to do back there, but he's got options. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, Rod. I was thinking about this. I want to get your take on it. I, I, you know, I know we just talked about the Jameson pick six, which was a great play, and he dropped another interception on that last drive that the uh, oh, yeah. that the Orange yep. offense had. 
But other than that, Rod, I, I didn't. I guess if there's one thing I'm, I was, I don't know, if disappointed is not the right term, but I, I would have liked to have seen the corners get tested more just to give us a better feel for the development at that position. And we just didn't see the corners get tested a whole lot. Like you could say, well, they didn't make a lot of plays. Eh, maybe they didn't, but I just didn't see a whole lot of balls, you know, going to the edges and down the field. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, that wasn't the Sark offense, though. So no, I, you no. know, it, it was a weird spring game. I mean, they were out in 12 personnel a lot of the time, too. Didn't take a lot of shots downfield, and I agree with you. I wanted to see I wanted to see more nine routes down the field. I'd like to see the corners. They, you know, Every now and then I saw them playing a little bit of press, press man. But, yeah, I wanted to see a little bit of that, too. I, I'm with, I was underwhelmed, I guess is the, the phrase, instead of disappointed. I was a little underwhelmed yeah. by the, uh, the lack of um, explosive passing options. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, right? So they didn't go down the field as much as I thought they would. But I know Sark wants to do that. And I know he will during right. the season. This was a dialed back, very vanilla game plan. But I expect at least to take some more deep shots. And yeah. I don't know After if After that, that first game. drive, there really wasn't. He had the one yeah. deep shot, what, to more that was knocked out by school. And then after that, he didn't have many. That first drive, if you watch it, it's sort of – it was a perfect way to open the spring game. But after the – like, if you haven't watched it yet and you want to watch a spring game, go watch a first drive. You'll really enjoy it. But it slows down a lot after that. Exactly. Which, I mean, that's <laughs> kind of typical for most spring games, right? Like but the they first all stayed co- in, so you thought you would see right, more. Right, right. Like the first couple series, you, you get something to watch. And then after that, it's like, eh, well, this is kind of, kind of fun about 20 minutes Hey, ago. it's football, man. It's good to have on. No, it is exactly. for sure. Sure. Um, Rod, let's talk about that defensive line real quick. I mean, we mentioned Prince yeah. Dorba. I thought Jacoby Jones had an active scrimmage. Uh, Moro Ojimo had, mm-hmm. I think, three sacks when it was all said and done. I mean, the, the both along the lines of scrimmage, I saw from the defensive line kind of what I was hoping to see in that, wow, there was a lot of plays made. And I don't know if Alfred Collins' name got called once during the scrimmage. So that just tells That was you, weird, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just tells you how deep and talented that yeah. defensive line is, especially on the interior. Now, on the edges, we know there's a there's a depth issue in terms of experience depth, but you know, bringing in Ovia Gofu, they still feel really good about where they're at, according to everything we've heard with with Ben Davis, the Alabama transfer. So they're just going to try to throw bodies at the problem and kind of sort it out that way in terms of what they're lacking on the edges right now. But there was that, Rod. I, I thought it confirmed a lot of the reports we'd heard about the D-line. And then also, to me, going back to your point earlier about the offensive line, it confirmed a lot of what we'd heard about the offensive line, which you know, as a run-blocking group, uh, this group has the potential to be really good. Uh, when it comes to pass pro, Kyle Flood came in and knew he had a lot to fix, and they've made some strides, but clearly there's still a lot of work to be done to fix the protection issues up front. It was it was funny, you know, the one sack Vernon Broughton had was on a twist, and, and we had a game thread going mm-hmm. at, at Horns 24-7 on the flagship message board. It's like, wow, it's like, it feels like you're in midseason form when the O-line's giving up sacks on twists right up the gut. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, there, so there's, there's a lot to work on with that O-line, Rob, but there was also some bright spots. I mean, I felt like, you know, pulling the guards maybe a little bit more than we've seen. I, I thought Tyler Johnson had... Maybe the block of the day. I mean, he just obliterated Jet Bush getting down the line and then kicking him in, kicking him out on a. I think it was eleven or thirteen yard run by Roshan Johnson. So uh, 
the mixed bag I expected to see Rod on the old line, and then not, you know the the depth and talent and the uh, how active that D line was. That kind of a little bit of confirmation bias from from what the reports we've gotten through spring practice. Yeah, that D line's gonna be. I mean, it's gonna be impressive. It's gonna. I think it's definitely gonna be one of the best, if not the best, in the Big Twelve. Just look at the overall depth of it, because Ojimo looks like he's gonna end up being a force. Mm-hmm. So, in addition to Coburn, you got Ojemo. Vernon Broughton looks like he's coming of age, too. I don't know why we didn't hear more about Alfred Collins. Alfred Collins, it should be unstoppable, especially going up against this O line. So, that needs to be addressed, but we know what he can do and what his ceiling is. Yeah. Um, Tavondre Sweat will be back. I mean, it's that's going to be a hellacious defensive, uh, the interior of the defensive line. So, I'm not worried about that. I I agree with you about the offensive line. I think one thing that will help it schematically, conceptually, you have the uh, RPO-based offense that Sark brings in. So that will be a little bit of an insulation for the pass protection. Um, But then you got, you know, you got the run game, and you got Bijan Robinson. So everything should be built off of that. If you can force teams to have to stop Bijan by putting eight in the box, which they will have to do, it will open up a lot in the passing game, and it should open up a lot quickly because teams will probably have to play man-to-man on the outside, usually, to try to stop Texas' running game. You know, I, I don't know who's going to have a defensive front good enough to stop Texas' running game with just you know their defensive line and their and their linebacking group, especially in the Big 12, where teams are undersized defensively. So if Texas puts 12, in, if 12 personnel on the field with two tight ends, man, Texas might be just the slobber knocker team of the – you know, of the Big 12. They might just decide, you know, power football is what we need to go this, the first phase of Sark's tenure here at Texas. Uh, Oklahoma rod defensive line-wise would be the one D-line. I mean, with Winfrey and yeah. Stokes and Isaiah Thomas. I mean, yeah, they lose Ronnie Perkins, but that's still a you know, it was nasty. Uh, yeah, it's it's probably the first time since that run, that 08-09 run, when go count the number of draft picks and high draft picks both schools were produced on the defensive line. These, this is the best both defensive lines have been since then, just in terms of depth, the depth and yeah. talent. It, it's it, it's it's getting to the point now where we should see um, – you know, more kind of more of what we typically expect from the the Texas OU game, where it's more of kind of an SEC mm. line of scrimmage. Well, I say SEC line of scrimmage type game. The SEC feels like it's becoming less and less of a line of scrimmage league as we go forward. And NFL shifting, style shifting to more of a, a space and pace type game. And then you know Iowa State. I, Iowa State's always figured it out. But I mean, there Iowa State's defensive line's a little bit different than it is everybody different. else. They're nothing on, like Texas on the scheme, guys are. The scheme they play. They don't They're really, not trying to put war daddies exactly, in there. That's yeah. not their yeah. That's not their premise. Um, so real quick, guys, we'll close it out with this. Rod, to start with you, uh, you know, in terms of we talk, negatives, I guess we talked about the offensive line. The one position we haven't really talked about man, is wide receiver and. You know, Troy O'Meary wearing the black non-contact jersey. He had the one catch on a post that they blew dead pretty quick. Uh, Jordan Whittington, I think, speaks for itself, the job he did. Man, outside of those two guys, Rod, I just don't feel like there's anybody. It goes back to the same conversations we had last year about the receiver group. Outside of Jordan Whittington and maybe maybe Troy O'Meary, Mm-hmm. There's nobody in this group that's just gonna go out there and get theirs. There's not a Devin Duvernay or an LJ Humphrey or a Colin Johnson. You're gonna have to scheme things up for these guys and really help them out 
uh, and they're not going to win just a lot of one-on-one matchups by themselves. I don't know if you felt that way coming out of the spring game, Ron, but that's I just I felt kind of ho hum about receiver, and I feel like we're right mm. back where we were last year with this group. Yeah, I think when Troy Mary gets healthier, you know, you can him the combination of him, Jake Smith, and Jordan Whittington on the field will present a problem for defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm worried after that because all those guys have dealt with injuries mm-hmm. throughout their young careers here at Texas. So, yeah, I, I think those three guys can win, win against one-on-one coverage. Marcus Washington may be another guy that can do it consistently. Josh Moore... I was very disappointed he dropped that touchdown because that's, that's, those are the kind of plays you need from Josh Moore, those yeah. deep, mm-hmm. explosive plays down the field. But I'm just worried about him getting off a of bump and run coverage because he's so slight. But him in the slot, he's a problem too. So yeah. I agree with you. I think for the most part, you got three guys that you know can win consistently. Uh, I think Sarko Bay to put him in a position to do that. Like I said, they're going to get a lot of man-to-man coverage this year, man, because of the RPOs, but also – because of trying to stop Bijan Robinson. That's going to be their saving grace. Yeah, and uh, seeing the body type, just a guy like Troy O'Meara, you haven't seen a guy like that at Texas in a while where you just sort of have that rangy skill set but also gliding and look as if you have that speed and that short space quickness to where I'm really excited to see him. You haven't seen much, but just the little flashes that we saw looked impressive. He looked like a guy that's like, oh, that's an NFL-type guy like in the long run, and you haven't had many of those now. Whittington and Smith are your own niche-type receivers and duplicative uh, skill sets, which is good to have when you're injury-prone and also if you stay healthy, get them out on the field because they can win. They can move the change as receivers, like a change-of-the-game type guy might be your Omerian. If we're talking about the receivers, a little bit different, but at tight end, just seeing a flash from, say, a Gunner Helm, that was actually impressive. Yeah. And then Calvante yeah. gets in on the like end around. The end around, I actually saw shades of a Shano play inside there. They were like, if y'all watch back, it was in the first half and it was that little end around, but you see how much action's going on there. There are four different options. You can see right out the snap, you have a little pitch down, you have a little pitch out, and then you have everything coming around the backside of the play. And to have those four quick options, like that play is going to have many variations throughout the season, I'd assume. Was that the one Prince Dorba snuffed out, Matt? I believe so. Yeah, Prince Prince Dorba had a hell of a scrimmage. But no, real quick, I mean, you make a good point, Matt. The tight end group, Rod, we talked about, you know, Sark wants to use 12 personnel. They have used 12 personnel. Man, with the issues you've got at receiver right now, I, that's that's not a bad personnel package if you can use it the right way. And, and Refine I mean, it now. As much as we know what Cade Brewer brings to the table, and I think we're all excited about Jared Wiley, I'm real excited about the two young kids. I mean, mm-hmm. we heard good things all spring about Gunnar Helm and Juan Davis. I'm really excited about the future with both those guys. I think any Longhorn fan watching on Saturday should be excited. And it also helps you because I I don't know how confident they are right now in their tackles and pass protection. Yeah. So it also helps you a little in pass protection too, mm-hmm. having some more big bodies out there, some more girth to add to the you know to the pass protection to the pass blocking. You know, and close my closing thought is this, and, and like you said, Matt, Matt, you make a great point with the end ride. You got to kind of hunt and peck and find little subtle differences with the offense. You know what the one for me was, Rod? There was a third. There was, there was a third and long. Uh, the the orange. It was an orange possession. So it's the first offense, and they had a third and long, and they're in. They're in 11 personnel, but they're going four wide. And 
I see kind of some. I see all the guys on the outside taking first. I was like, oh man, are we going to see a four verts on on third and long again? And then Jared Wiley like breaks in at seven <laughs> yards. I'm like, oh man, I'm like somebody else did something different than just running four verts on, <laughs> on third down. I didn't know you could call something other than four verts. <laughs> <laughs> no man, I, I, I there are little subtle differences, but that wasn't Sark's offense. No, no. that was. That was his bot. Pretty much, I think they just did kind of a souped-up version of Tom Herman's offense. Like, it wasn't that much different, but I think during the year you're going to see a totally yeah. different offense than what we saw in the spring. Yep. And that's where we will pick it up next week. Talking, uh, We'll talk more NFL draft, and we will definitely continue to break down the spring game and spring practice in general as we march toward the offseason. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019-AM1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on the triple option from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also catch myself and Craig Waite each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7. Click the subscribe button to get every episode of the flagship state of recruiting and Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. And we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.